washed in divine love, and fueled by the power of spirit, I am lubricated and fired up. Hallelujah. Amen. Hello, beautiful WPKN listeners. I'm Isabel Barber. Today we're going to Sunshine Cathedral, hashtag My Queer Church. I'd like to welcome you to WPKN's Mic Check, which comes to you on WPKN every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Our diverse roster of hosts presents a wide range of topics for discussion, focusing on global, national, and regional issues that affect our local community. Just as the phrase mic check mobilizes people to create a human microphone during public demonstrations and protest actions, this weekly program amplifies our community's many voices and brings them to the airwaves. This show will be posted on WPKN's archive site for the next two weeks. Go to archive.wpkn.org, choose the air date, and click on the show mic check, and boom, you'll have access to this recording. If you want to contact me, I can be reached at ibwpkn at gmail.com. I've been taking a look, as many of us have, around the concerted effort to deny LGBTQ people their rights that is happening across the United States right now with a specific focus on limiting gender-affirming care for transgender people, as well as a limiting of conversations that can happen about LGBTQ families in schools and other spaces. I also had an opportunity to go to Florida. So, you know, it wasn't much of a mental stretch to me to say, hey, what is it like to be a queer person <laughs> or a queer leader uh, in Ron DeSantis's Florida right now? I happen to be connected to the Sunshine Cathedral in Fort Lauderdale through a family connection. And I got a chance to sit down with Reverend Dr. Durrell Watkins and Reverend Dr. Robert Griffin. Now, Durrell is the senior minister and Robert is the executive minister at Sunshine, and they are a married couple. We talked about the Sunshine Cathedral and what it's like to be queer religious leaders in Florida right now. We're so lucky in Connecticut that we are not facing what folks are facing in Florida and in Georgia and in Texas and in Kentucky and in North Dakota and South Dakota and Kansas and Missouri. With that said, Connecticut, this is no time to get complacent. School boards are a way of entry for some of these ideas and they can be really pernicious in making schools unsafe places for all sorts of students. This has been happening in Connecticut. Now's the time to donate and support groups that are taking on and fighting legal battles. Go to the Human Rights Campaign to learn more about what's happening and listen to the story. Um, there's some really important insights, not only on resistance, but healing 
love, and community. Here's Terrell getting us started with an introduction of the Sunshine Cathedral. Sunshine Cathedral, hashtag my queer church. Uh, that's, um, we are intentionally a queer uh, community here in South Florida, a spiritual community. So everything we do is for and from the margins. Uh, we're trying to queer the patriarchy. It's, it's a resistance. It's, it's a, uh, we, we, we try to queer heteronormativity. Uh, we try to queer uh, assumed binaries. And so, so, yeah, okay, gay is good. Lots of people would agree with that. And the people who don't, we think of as being pretty mean or whatever. But we are so beyond gay is okay. Uh, we are, readers make meaning. And as queer people, we are bringing all of who we are to the discussion, and that's going to queer the discussion. And so that's what we mean by queer church. Now, you don't have to talk to Durrell or any of the other ministers at Sunshine Cathedral very long before you get into some serious biblical scholarship. Um, here is Reverend Kevin Tisdall, who's the Minister of Education. This is an excerpt from a sermon that he gave. One of the most used Bible verses in marriage vows to this day come from a vow made first from one woman to another. Ruth tells Naomi in part, where you go, I go, and where you live, I'll live. Your people are my people, your God is my God. Where you die, I'll die, and that's where I'll be buried. A powerful promise made first from one woman to another. So the Sunshine Cathedral is 51 years old, and it's had an evolution to get to its current state. When Robert and Jarrell first came on, it was a little bit of a bumpy ride. Robert explains. So we get here in 2007, um, and I just remember at one of the uh, first gatherings that we attended, probably within the first three months, six months. Um, so early. It was early on, and we was at the gathering. Um, I walk into the room, or we walk into the room, and quickly, you know, I scan around the room. I'm the only black person in the room, a person of color, that, you know, a person of color in the room. And so, you know, milling around, nibbling, drinking, and this one person comes up to me and says, you know what I fear about you and Darrell coming to the Sunshine Cathedral? <laughs> And I said, fear? He says, yeah. Uh, this is what I really fear about you two coming to the Sunshine Cathedral. And I said, well, what is that? He said, I fear that the church will youthen and darken if you come to the Sunshine Cathedral. And so I said, well, it's not an if. When we come, we're already here. Yeah. Uh, and I said, may your words be so. I asked Robert and Darrell some questions about the linkages between race and the LGBTQ community and the civil rights movements that occur around both communities and identities. And this is what Robert had to say. It's followed very shortly again by some sermon from Reverend Kevin Tisdall. I believe so much of our movements really have come out of the civil rights movement, things we've learned from all of that. And I think how it affects us today in the queer movement 
is that when I look at older uh, gays and lesbians, uh, we have this one lady in our congregation, uh, she has to be in her, uh, Dr. Patterson, it has to be in she's her. She's 85. She's 85 years old. And so she is, to look at her, to understand that when you say certain things, like Reverend Kevin mentioned in his sermon, or I mentioned in my sermon, around the intersection between race uh, and discrimination, she was there for a lot of what we talk about to witness today. Like she is probably one of the only ones that's living that I would know that probably could resonate with, I was there when this happened. Ferris State University, home of the Jim Crow Museum of Racist Memorabilia, yeah, it's a thing, tells us that because of Jim Crow, many Christian ministers and theologians taught that whites were the chosen people, blacks were cursed to be servants, and God, and God supported racial segregation. This was the wind that King and his peers were leaning into. Even with laws of the land against them, these strong souls were able to look beyond the oppression of the day and see the promise of tomorrow. King took the same scripture used to relegate black folk to second-class citizenship and made scripture sing with the songs of liberation, the songs of freedom, the songs of justice, misinterpretation, and lack of scholarship. Those are the tools of those who would use scripture to oppress. When we know better, we do better. And so to watch parishioners and congregation now here, even Darrell talk about a lot of the civil rights stuff in the pulpit, uh, it's butt clenching sometimes for people because mm -hmm. it's right in their face and some's like, okay, I need to be open to what he's saying. Others are saying, I don't want to hear this. Others are saying, why are you bothering me with this? This is not why I came to church today. Uh, I don't want to be pushed. I don't want to be challenged. Uh, and at the same time, it has to be done. Whether it's around uh, racism, whether it's around career issues or lesbian issues or trans issues or women's rights issues, the buttons have to be, I don't want to say pushed. And oftentimes there's a lot of butt clenching because people just are not, they don't think of church as being that. But then for us who come out of these types of movement, church is that. Church is the social movement. Church is where the movement happens. And if it doesn't happen in the church, where else can you expect it to happen? Because so much of the civil rights movement, uh, early they, they happen in the churches. Something that's very clear about Robert and Durrell and Sunshine is that the political is personal. It's not out there. It's in here too. This is a true story. Do you remember the first time you went out, I think to the supermarket or whatever, and uh, everyone was requiring a mask. It was the first time he went out alone with his mask. And I was honestly, and I, just viscerally, like just unreasonably terrified. I'm like, my husband, my, a black man is walking out with a mask on into public. Now, I wouldn't have thought that would have occurred to me. But in that moment, I just had, we've been together forever. We're from a terrible place. I'm from Arkansas, I'm from Alabama. <laughs> I mean, terrible for racial and gay. I mean, beautiful places, beautiful people. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, and, but just in that moment, I'm like, the person who's most important to me in the world is a black man wearing a mask going out in the public. And I was, I was really anxious. Well, and I think about how all of a sudden, COVID normalized every black person who wore a mask. It's the first time a black person could walk anywhere, even into a bank, 
with a mask on. Because five years earlier, you can walk out in a hoodie. And nobody pressed the button to call the police or lock the doors. Arms went up. And I, you know, I was even, we, you know, our, our corporate bank that we work with, and I even said that one time I walked in the bank, I was, this, this, is, this is unsurreal for me to be in this bank right now with my mask on and, you're, and we're conducting business. And he says, yeah, if we've been anywhere else, if it's been, yeah, at that point, six months before, whatever, oh yeah, we would have responded very differently if you walked in with a mask on. I was born by the river in a little tent. Oh, and just like the river, I've been. Uh, those who are in power or are, are, are going to do whatever they can to stay in power. Uh, let's not talk about voting rights and voting privileges and, and, and let's redraw the lines so we can stay in power. It starts with oh, how much can we censor? You know, let's not say these words any longer in public. Let's not let's take all this stuff out of out of out of the, the schools right now that deals with critical race theory. Uh, let's you know inform women that they no longer have this particular right any longer. You know, so what when we begin to take all this away, it's not about when is something to be taken away from me. It's just it's not even if it's when. Last week, the governor of Arkansas said that we should never teach our children that this is a racist country. Or we could put a mirror up in front of our children and show them that we are, we are uniquely racist in this country. We are uniquely sexist. We are uniquely homophobic. We are uniquely transphobic. According to NBCNews.com, there are over 100 anti-LGBTQ bills before state legislatures. In 2023 so far, it's January, y'all, and there are already over 100 anti-LGBTQ bills before state legislatures. Think about it. Over 100 bills trying to silence, erase, limit, or take rights away from people. A bill proposed in Arkansas is framed as an anti-drag bill. And already that's bad enough. Anti-drag, what's next? Anti-magician, anti-clown, anti-dancer. You know, why why anti-anything, right? But it's worse than it even sounds because it defines gender-affirming dress and accoutrement as drag. If this bill were to pass, that would be considered drag and that would then be criminalized. So what it is, it's called an anti-drag bill, but what it really is is an attempt to criminalize transgender people living their truth publicly. How you dress, how you love, how you understand your own reality, these very basic points of human dignity are being attacked in state legislatures. Florida's Don't Say Gay bill was passed, and queer kids and kids of queer parents have fewer safe places to live out loud in Florida because of that draconian legislation. Our son is Brazilian and, uh, and, and graduated from, went to uh, Fort Lauderdale High School, uh, luckily before all this. But, um, so here's a gay, uh, a, a gay man. Uh, he's 21 now, a gay man with two gay dads. And today, 
that would be um, that would be controversial to just say how he lives his life. To mention that in a public school in Florida, and in fact, teachers in a lot of schools are having to take down the, the hit sign saying "This is a safe place." You can you know blah, 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 flag have to take that down, or people with pictures of their family. Again, just like women do not necessarily state by state. States' rights is a lie. States' rights is just an excuse to, to to oppress people, but women aren't don't own their own bodies. Gay families, whether you're the parents of a gay child or or the gay parents of a straight child, or like ours is a, a, a he was a foster child that we just never let go. Uh, a family of choice, and you can't talk about your family like this is this is insane. And I grew up in Arkansas in the seventies, and I find this insane. So yeah, we don't. I know. Yeah, we get tired. We get frustrated. We don't even know what to do sometimes. But we just have to keep doing something because this isn't okay. I think this is the point of the interview where I talk to Darrell and Robert about seeing a young man on the beach in a DeSantis T-shirt that said "Florida Now, the U.S. Tomorrow," and we talked about like who is driving these policy changes that are hurting the LGBTQ community. And I think one of the most painful pieces is that sometimes people within the group that's being targeted can sometimes be sometimes part of the problem. White privilege is such a thing, it's so, it's so powerful. And patriarchy is so powerful that how white gay men survived in less enlightened times was by playing on their white male privilege. That's not okay, but it gave me, it, it gave me some grace for you used the tools you had to survive what you were facing. Now, it is our job to help people deconstruct that so that they can be more mindful of other kinds of people. They're trying to protect their money because their whole life their money has kept them safe. And I'm only talking about queer people. Why, why straight people do what they do? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but, I'm, but it seemed counterintuitive to me that queer people would be on the side of people. But, and I could be wrong. But what I've worked out so far is they've relied on white privilege and wealth to protect them from homophobia. Robert, do you have anything you want to add? I mean, I just think there's a lot there. I have, I've learned to monitor how I respond to it, but... Going back to Sarah said earlier about, you know, we were about the Cathedral Youth and in Darken. I just went ballistic when I told him that. It's like, where did we come to? You know, we had just left New York and left Boston. I'm, I'm from Alabama, and I had never even encountered that degree of in-your-face like that ever before. And certainly did not expect it here. Certainly did not expect it in the gay community. And so when people see certain things and hear something, even today, it's like, did you just say that? Did you just say that? Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to take on these justice causes any longer because I've done this long enough. So the clarion call just isn't speaking to me, or this is not my said fight. That recently, well, so, yeah, someone said that to me recently. Uh, you know, the comment was, uh, "We we fought our fight already, but we didn't and win, like, so we got to keep but going." We're still fighting. <laughs> you know, there's more to be done. You know, yes, you can enjoy your privilege, and yet there are those who cannot even enjoy a meal or their lives. Somebody left Sunday. My, what was the call? What was my clarion call? Sunday? Oh, just that you not harden your hearts. Mm -hmm. 
because I was responding to uh, uh, Tyree Nichols uh, in Memphis. And I said, I'm just, I'm so afraid that cruelty is so rampant and so ubiquitous that we've become numb to it, that we've either enjoyed the circus or we were so appalled by it that we tuned out so much that we were trying not to see the circus. And whether we applauded or walked out, either way, we're not trying to stop the circus, right? And so, uh, so I was saying, my, my call, very simple call, is that we not harden our hearts, that we not disengage, that we take the time to cry for him and, and, and one more time sign, one more petition, you know, make one more donation, you know, whatever. And a guy, now I thought that was maybe the most milquetoast thing I've ever said in the pulpit, just got him walked out. White guy, late 30s. You saw him in your head when I said it. <laughs> Given everything, I felt like I needed to ask them how they did it, how they found the energy to continue to show up. I remember um, in the 90s, I was an AIDS chaplain. So from 94 to 97, I did about 100 funerals. Um, no one over the age of 50. Um, it was, uh, I, you know, I would visit people in the hospital. I would, I would, I would do funerals. That was, you know, I would, and um, sometimes people would ask me, even my mother would ask me, it must be so sad. How do you just keep doing it? How do you keep doing it? And I would say, because you can't not do it, um, you know, the, the, the war is happening. So it isn't, you know, how, how can you do this? Like, how could I not? I have to do something. And it seemed like, and even in those days, the people, who, and we're both long-term survivors, uh, that in those days, the people who became long-term survivors, there was a list of things they shared, and one of the things was involvement. And so the, and I think you just learn. I think we just learned in those days, um, the fights come to us. So it's not like you're getting out of it. So what can I do to make a difference? Because there's no getting out of it. I think for me as a little kid growing up in Alabama, um, a part of that, what keeps me going, is that realization that there's still kids in Alabama who are like me. I do what I do because there's someone that is still yet to hear that you're okay just as you are. Uh, when I tested positive uh, in 1987, uh, I was in California, I was stationed at Camp Pendleton, uh, and I used to go to this group up in um, Los Angeles with Louise Hay, and it was called The Hayride, and one of the songs, into a support group, one of the songs we learned early on that someone just reminded me of the day is, I love myself the way I am, that's nothing I need to change. And so that has kind of been a mantra all since 1987 for me about just being who I am, nothing I need to change, and yet there's someone else who still needs to hear that because there's so much that people are, are up against still today. Laws, family, church, that they still need to hear, hey, you're okay. That's what keeps me going. There's, there's a message that has to be told and I feel that we as, you know, as, as a couple, as pastors of the queer church, you know, my queer church, we're the ones who are charged or challenged with the opportunity to make sure that message is out there for as many people as who can hear it. When I was a young minister, I remember seeing a bird's nest on the church lawn. And as I approached the nest to investigate, I noticed some eggs in the nest. 
And then I noticed just a few feet away, a scrawny little mother bird, chest out, cursing me out, and threatening me mightily in her little bird voice. Now, I don't doubt if she had pecked or scratched me, that it would have been unpleasant. But her chances of saving her eggs from me if I turned out to be truly villainous were slim indeed. Still, instinctively, she did whatever she could. She did what she could, as ridiculous as it seemed. Was she equal to the perceived threat? Maybe not. And still, she raised her little bird voice and took a stand in defense of her helpless eggs. We might feel small and powerless like a little bird, chirp and squawk anyway. Decency demands it. Injustice may occur over our protest, but may it never happen under our silence. So it's important to note that part of how the Sunshine Cathedral forwards progress in its local community is by providing a lot of support and services to its parishioners and beyond. If you go to sunshinecathedral.org you in the, in the support tab you can see a lot of different supports including food sharing which allows thousands of people uh, to be served monthly HIV and STI testing in partnership with some health partners grief support spiritual counseling there's a youth program there's different anonymous groups to help with addictions you know, there's there's all sorts of different social services. And one member of the Sunshine team that I didn't get to talk to, who I know is very involved in the food program, is uh, Reverend Dr. Ann Atwell, who is the Minister of Connections. I think it's important to kind of link the policy discussions that we're having in this story also with the pieces of action which Sunshine has. So uh, check out their website to learn more. I had one more question that I needed to get off my chest before we parted. I think about the idea of a priest as a messenger from God, right? And I was thinking of you both and thinking of there's the idea of a messenger and there's the idea of a storyteller, right? And tell me tell me how that la- you smiled when I said that. Can you tell me why why you smiled? I I hope I'm a storyteller. Myth is very important to me and uh, storytelling is very important to me. And um, performance is very important to me. Uh, and a performance for me is a showing of a doing. And, and so li- li- liturgy, which is how we worship, is performative. It's, it's a practice. It's how we're practicing to be in the world. And so, yeah, I don't, I'm not the Archangel Gabriel. I don't have a message from God. I have what I believe maybe inspired thoughts. I, I have what I or have treasured values. I hope I'm right about things. 
I can I share my experience and my ideas, do with them what you will. But the power isn't in that I get something from the universe that no one else gets. My power is in the effort I put into telling you a story or crafting a liturgy. And then you enter into that and then you have helped create your own experience. And that's what's important to me. And I'm more the messenger. <laughs> because from that point, I, 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 I get from the story what the message is. And I come out of a missionary Baptist background. And it's about going out and telling the message of what it is. And so for me as a messenger, I want to go out and tell the message of Sunshine Cathedral. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is how we do it. Uh, and this is what you can find when you come there. So for me, it's, it's getting the message out to people. Uh, and to me, that is a divine message. To me, that is, you know, that, that is God as I understand God to be in my life, saying, you need to get this message out that there is a queer church, that there's a place for all people uh, to come, regardless of their, their, their religious background, their spiritual, up, their spiritual upbringing, uh, marital status, whatever, there is a place that they can come. So for me, through the storytelling, it's the message for me to say, let's take this one step further and say to people, we say the same thing, but we just say it differently. And the things that might ought to get us fired up here at Sunshine Cathedral is ways in which we could help not only just ourselves, but each other have a better day, either locally or globally. That ought to get us a little bit fired up. If not, I got some matches and a lighter I can borrow and let you, let you borrow it to get you fired up. Because sometimes we just need to take the extra step to let someone somewhere know that you are loved for who you are, as you are, and no one can ever take that away from us. I want to thank everybody at Sunshine Cathedral for their hospitality and generosity. A special thanks goes out, of course, to Robert and Jarrell, and also to the music program at Sunshine Cathedral. Um, they are amazing, and they sound great every week. Well, WPK and listeners, that's our time. If you go to South Florida, you know where to go going to channel uh, Robert and Durrell and let you know that you are perfect just as you are. Have a good one. Bye.